This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. to worship with you today, and I mean that sincerely if you're watching by live stream. We're glad you're with us. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, so our ushers could put the Word of God in your hand, and I encourage you, whether it's open in your Bible, old school like I do, or on your phone, Jump in there with us today. I believe the scriptures here will really speak to you. Once you've got your Bible, go to uh, Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Now, we're jumping into a new area, and as we get going here, we've called it the touch of God, which is referencing here to the anointing. And so we'll allow some of the scriptures to really teach us and get us in line in that. But oftentimes in our life, we have this thought, how? How, how did I get where I'm at? How did I end up in the position I am? A self-constructed identity. And when I live by a self-constructed identity, it's a combination of my achievements and other people's opinion of me. But oftentimes what happened is we try to gain value by sources that that can't do that for us. Only God can put value within us. And so when I live by this self-constructed identity, ultimately it'll bring insecurity. It'll bring a, a form of inadequate and insufficient. And so I want the word of God to really, really sharpen you, strengthen you today, and, and I believe this will. So we begin Psalms 92, verse 10. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Now, that's pretty tough to understand that in our vocabulary today. To help you just a little bit, that, that word horn there, it literally means strength. Positions of prominence and also security. Now, if you'll notice, he said, my horn. So God wants to give every one of us strength. He wants to help every one of us. And the last part of verse 10, it says, I have been anointed with fresh oil. I've been saturated with fresh oil. Now, this will be our our main scripture text, Psalms 92.10 for the month of February. But I believe this is God's desire for every one of us that he gives every one of us anointing that's fresh. And when you see the fresh oil, he's talking about a a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Passion Translation says, you have empowered my life for triumph. The, The touch of God upon your life so you can reach your full potential. That you can walk in the identity that God has for you. And I believe God wants to put a fresh anointing on every one of us, but especially in the area a fresh touch back on your dreams, your purposes, your callings. And so the anointing here is very, very important. You know, I'm, I'm reading this book, and um, this, this woman minister, just over and over there would be miracles and stuff that would happen within her services. And she would say over and over, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. I welcome the anointing. I I welcome the anointing. And I believe this is what's happening right here. 
that we are beginning to tap into the anointing again. It's not God like God took it away from us. It's, it's we've, we've retracted from it. So I pray this births something in us right now, a fresh anointing. Verse 11. My eye also has seen my desires on my enemies. And he doesn't, he doesn't act like he didn't have any enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. And he's not de denying enemies or wicked people that are against him here. But when, when you read this, transition takes place often by crisis. That I'm going to have to go through some things. And I don't know if you've ever looked at the word opposition and opportunity, but they're very similar to start out in their, in their uh, spelling. But they often travel together also. Opposition, opportunity. So back in January, if you remember, we talked about unforgiveness, bitterness, how we got to love ourselves, how I can't be dominated by shame and guilt. And so right in the middle of, of January, one Wednesday night I'd gotten in bed and, and the Lord woke me up kind of. My bladder did first again. But the Lord always uses those opportunities to speak to me truthfully. And so I waited back to bed, and I'm telling you, I, I don't know how long, but over and over I would hear the Lord just speak in a, in, a, in a whisper. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And it went on and on and on and on. And that's, that's Matthew 5, 44. And it was like the Lord was, was trying to light a fire in me with this truth. And he's saying, I have things for every one of you, but you gotta get a hold of this. I can't move in your life like I desire until you get a hold of this. And so off of this night, this same night, there were three different servants that the Lord birthed within me that night. And oftentimes when the Lord begins to speak with me in that air, I'll get up and I'll write. I didn't get up and write any of them with the pen. The Lord wrote them on my heart. And he put them on the inside of me. And so you don't want to miss the next few weeks because when the Holy Spirit puts stuff like that, it's fresh off the press Get ready, Freddie. God's getting ready to move. And so it's going to be good, I promise you. So we keep reading here in this passage. Verse 12, the righteous. Some translation says the uncompromising. They shall flourish like a palm tree. Now when you look at a palm tree, it, it grows straight up. And, and when the storms hit it, it goes back and forth, but it's so strong and its roots are so down in the ground, it may sway a little, but it stays straight. And it's interesting, the Lord said, his desire for the righteous, the uncompromising, is that you would flourish like a palm tree. God wants you to, uh, to flourish in every area of your life. And he goes on to say, and you shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. 
God's desire for each of us is that we flourish and that we grow in the things of heaven. Keep reading. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Now I'm gonna highlight this just for a little bit. You gotta get planted in the house of the Lord. Planted, that, that means you gotta get some roots in you because if you're not planted in the house of the Lord, you're rootless and when you're rootless, you're gonna be fruitless. You gotta get planted in the house of the Lord. And 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said this, but I'll say this now. If you can't hook up here, go where you can hook up. If all you want to do is bellyache and complain and gripe about the things that are going on, go where you can hook up. And I don't mean that ugly. I mean that sincerely. I believe the most of you want to stay here and plan, and I hope you do. But if you can't, this is Proverbs 33, 33. Don't Lord let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. Like this slow boy in dodgeball, you're out. Okay? Those are deep revelations, I know. You got to get planted in the house of the Lord. And those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They will flourish in rendering service in the courts of our God. God sees. They shall bear fruit in old age. There's a, yes. <laughs> now I was getting ready to say, I'm not going to define old age. You're only as old as you think. But if you read what he said, you'll, you'll even flourish or bear fruit in old age. You know what that tells me? God's not done with you. If you're still breathing, God's not done with you. And he goes on to say, they shall be fresh and flourishing. They shall be full to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. And so what he begins to tell us real quick right here is, I want you to be living memorials for me. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a little, little uh, progress here on some things that must take place in every one of our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 15. And he died for all. Maybe you ought to underline that. And he died for all. The good, the bad, the ugly, the haves, the have-nots, the educated, the uneducated, the rich, the poor, the famous, the nobodies. I want you to see that. He died for all. So no, no matter what you've done in this time here on earth, Jesus died for you. He died for you. He, he paid a, a price for you. He was our substitute for all of us. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, self-absorbed. It's no longer just about little old me, but for him. 
Do you really, really, really desire to live with really, really, really purpose in your life? Then I gotta get to a place where I live for him. My time here isn't just about 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years. It's not just about off I go to work I go or however that goes. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. There's more to me in life than just being here for that many years. I got purpose, and this purpose is, but I am to live for him who died for them, and he rose again. So not only did Jesus die for all, he represents us all. Verse number 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. External evaluation that's viewed only from an earthly perspective. And so we no longer estimate a person according to their worldly standards. And again, it goes back to a statement I made earlier. A lot of times our self-identity is made up by our successes and other people's opinion. But that's nothing but bondage. I allow Jesus to determine my identity. So he goes on and says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer according to the flesh. Now listen real close. This is one of these verses here that I gotta get here, okay? Gotta, gotta get this one in me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. If anyone, that's everybody around us, every one of us, is in Christ. How do you become in Christ? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you would believe in your heart and confess Jesus as Lord of your life, you would be born again. You would be saved by grace through faith. So the way that I become in Christ is I ask Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord, and I enter this union with him because of that. And when I enter this union within him, he said, if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. That doesn't mean stuff outwardly, okay? When you get born again, you're not going to get a brand new set of hair, okay? You're not going to shed 30 pounds off that furniture disease. You know what the furniture disease is, don't you? Your chest already dropped down into your drawers. That's not going to happen when you get born again, okay? I wish it would, because if it did, we'd have people getting born again massive ever surface. What are you here for? I need some new teeth. Okay, come on. <laughs> no, when he says we become a new creation, he comes on the inside of me and he starts changing me from the inside out. And he goes on to say this, old things have passed away. Those old things of my life, that the previous Moral and spiritual condition, my old lifestyle, my old patterns of sin, old religious activity, my old relationships with the world, my old mindsets, 
the old things are passed away. And all things have become new. How many things? All things become new. The Amplified says, the fresh and the new have come. So you start becoming who you are because of Christ Jesus. Now back at the very first of verse 17, he said, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, man, you gotta live your life off of that. I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So when Paul uses uh, this expression of what it means to be a Christian, this is the greatest one he uses, in Christ Jesus. My identification with him now by faith. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So you know what he wants us to do? His desire is that we start seeing ourselves that way. I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. Now, go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah 62. In this passage of scripture here, I believe this will give you a new view of you. Where when you start seeing yourself in the Bible, what it says about you, and I gotta believe those things. Isaiah 62, verse two. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness. They'll see your vindication. Let me ask you a question. How do you become righteous? I am the righteousness of God through Christ. The only way I'm righteous is through Jesus, okay? You can't qualify yourself only through Jesus. Keep reading. And all the kings, your glory. The glory that God ascribed to you and me and you. When we gave our heart to Jesus, there was some righteousness and there was some glory that God put upon us. Now watch verse two. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Well, the mouth of the Lord will designate. The mouth of the Lord will bestow. And some of you say, can God do that? Yeah, he's God. You know, he did that with the Lord Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, God bestowed upon Jesus the name that's above every name. But if you look in here, now watch real close again in verse 2. He says, and you shall be called a new name by which the mouth of the Lord will name. So when you get born again, God doesn't liken you or talk about you according to that old name. He gives you a new name. God's done that throughout history. And so think about this. There was a guy named Simon. And God said, you know what? I think I'm going to change your name to Peter, which meant the rock. And remember what God did with this guy named Peter. He filled him with the Holy Spirit and Peter went from Peter the pathetic to Peter the powerful because God said, I'm gonna give you a new name. How about this? There was a man named Saul and God said, we're no longer gonna call you Saul. We're gonna call you Paul. And if you go back and look, Saul was said a murderer. Saul said that he was the one who who persecuted Christians. But when he became Paul, 
he became possibly the greatest disciple of all. This was a man named Paul who said about himself, I'm the chief sinner. Now, some of us in this room would say, I've ran him a pretty close race. But my point in saying that wasn't to brag about him being the chief sinner. My point in saying that is, look what happens to mankind when you get born again. I'm gonna put a new name in you. New name, new purpose. New name, new identity. Verse three. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of our Lord. In, in God's hand, he looks and says, I'm gonna put some glory on him. I'm gonna bless him. And a royal diadem that you are exceedingly beautiful in the hand of your God. Now watch this, watch. You shall no longer be termed forsaken. You won't be called or labeled forsaken. You won't be called or labeled rejected. So every one of us, we have this past life. That's that old man. Remember, he's dead. And think about some of the names, the labels, the titles that you may have got when you were that old man. You're no longer a drunk. You're no longer a liar. You're no longer Judy with the attitude. See, when you begin to look at all that, and this is what he said right there. He said, I don't call you forsaken. I don't call you rejected. I, I, I got a new name. And you know what he says? That's my boy. That's my girl. I have plans for them. I call them blessed. I call this one forgiven. I call this one healed. I call this one more than a conqueror. So we got to get a hold of these things. Nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate or ruined. But you shall be called Hesphabah, which is my delight is in her, and your land beulah, which means married. And so when you look at this, this is a picture of what happens when you get born again. You enter a covenant relationship with Jesus. He's the, uh, the groom, and you're the bride. You're the bride of Christ. And he says, you're not ruined. You're not desolate. For the Lord delights in you. I'm going to ask you to say that right there. Just say this. The Lord, the, the Lord delights in me. Say that with me. The Lord delights in me. Just put your hand right there on your heart and say, the Lord delights in me. See, some of you have a hard time doing that right there. You say, the Lord doesn't delight in me. The Lord delights in you. God doesn't lie. God delights in you. God's, God's not a God who sits on his throne with this Texas-sized flies water that is just waiting to tee off on you. That's, that's not God, okay? And if that's your vision, God, re, re, read this over and over. God delights in me. Ooh, he delights in me. And your land shall be married for as a young woman marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. 
And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God rejoices over you. You know how he rejoices over you? Just as the groom rejoices over his bride. Man, I got to read this passage here again and again and let this get on this. God delights in you. God rejoices over you. Now, we're going to end today in the book of Judges, chapter 6. So turn to Judges, chapter 6. And as you're turning there, God, God didn't make you average. God didn't make you ordinary. God made you extraordinary. Pastor, you got the wrong guy. Well, that's why we're going to Judges chapter 6. And so when you get here to Judges 6, in this time it was a very, very chaotic period. And there was a lot of inner turmoil going on. Now that may define your life right now. You may be in a very chaotic period. It may be a lot of inner turmoil. The reason this takes place, that in the end of Judges, Judges 21, it makes the comment, it says, because the people did what was right in their own eyes. If I did what was right in my own eyes, I would be in a chaotic period of my life too. And the reason I say that is, God's the one who wrote the owner's manual. That's the word of God. And when mankind obeys and lives by the word of God, I'm not saying you won't go through chaotic times, but God will be there to get you out. And so this is what's going on. It's a very chaotic time. So we start Judges 6 verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and said unto the Tirbinth tree, which was in Orpher, which belonged to Joash, the Abzurite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine presses in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, there's a couple things I got to point out off of this verse. When they threshed the wheat, this was a, a thing they did that would separate the grain or the wheat from the chaff. What was good from what wasn't good. Now, this is a shadow of a picture that the Lord Jesus himself spoke about in Matthew 13. And Jesus' disciples came in him and they said, Lord, in the field we got some wheat and we got some tares. Do you want to pull them up? And the Lord said, no, I'll let them grow together. But the day will come when we'll remove the wheat from the tares. You know what that is showing? From the godly and the ungodly. It's going to happen. And he said he did it to hide from the Midianites. These guys were a bunch of thieves. They were like the devils what they were, okay? So he's, he's in there threshing wheat. And verse 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You mighty man of valor. Now notice the angel of the Lord spoke this over Gideon. You know what it literally states here? That the angel of the Lord spoke this over Gideon's potential. He said, I see this within you. I see this within you. And when God looks at me and you, 
He sees potential. Potential that must be developed. Now watch what goes on here. This is, this is mankind to a T right here. Then Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Why is all this junk going on in my life? If you're with us. Sounds like mankind. Some of you said, sounds like my wife or my husband. And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Well, if God's with us, where are all the miracles? I don't see any miracles. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, when he says this here, God, you deserted us. This is literally a self-imposed calamity because of their disobedience and their neglect to the things of God. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So watch the Lord respond to this. Then the Lord turned to him and said, now there's an interesting little statement here. In verse 12, it said the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Verse 14, it says, then the Lord turned to him and said, most Theologians say this was Jesus. Jesus spoke this. And he said to Gideon, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And when you see him say, go in this might of yours, literally it's the same word in might that goes back to uh, Psalm 92.10, the horn. The strength of God. And he's saying, go in the strength of God. And actually, at the end of this verse, it takes us to Joshua 1.9, where the Lord said to Joshua four times, he said, listen, pal, you're going to have to be strong and a good courage. You're going to have to be strong and a good courage. In other words, look to me, Gideon. Look to me. Come on, look to me. Now, Jesus says this to Gideon. Watch Gideon's response back and, and watch how this looks like us to a T. This verse 15. So Gideon said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And on top of that, I'm the least or the weakest even in my father's house. The Lord said, go in this mighty yours. And he said, I can't do that. And so literally right here, what Gideon voices back to him, he says, have you not seen my limitations? Have you not seen my weaknesses, God? And so Gideon right here, he evaluates his character in such an ungodly manner because in Psalms 139, 14, the Lord said, I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you and my plans for you are that of good and not evil to give you a future. So do, do I believe everything that my flesh says or do I believe what the word of God said? 
Now, every one of us in here, we want a prophetic word, just like Gideon, prophetic word, you mighty man of valor, but we don't want to do a prophetic work. Wow. You may want to tweet that one. Put that on your gram. Verse 16. This, this is the, 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 the love of God right here. This is how much God believes in us. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. As one man. You're going to have to cowboy up, Gid. And so there's two things that take place in this chapter that all I'm going to highlight the rest of this. And I believe these are so significant for every one of us. Verse 24. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. Gideon built an altar to the Lord. Why do you build an altar? Why would you come to the altar? A form of surrender? A form of worship? A form to say, Father God, I, I, I gotta have, I, I'm not gonna make it without you, Father God. When I go to the altar, I build an altar to the Lord like it talks about here. He's saying right here, God, you're my only hope. I gotta have you, I gotta, I need you, Father God. Do you know his very first assignment when he took this was to tear down all the false idols, the false altars? Do we have some false idols in our life? Do we have some altars that need to be tore down to resurrect the altar to the true Lord to say, I'm coming to you? Now, watch what takes place here when he builds this altar to the Lord. And he called it, the Lord is peace. The Hebrew name is Jehovah Shalom. And this was Gideon's new sense of security right here. And it was expressed by the term shalom. Now listen to what shalom means. We always say Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. But listen to what it means. Wholeness, security, well-being, prosperity, peace, and friendship. He builds an altar and he says, man, Jehovah Shalom. I, I got to have your security. I got to have your peace. I got to have your prosperity. I got to have your, your, your well-being for my, I got to have, I'm not going to make it without you, Father God. I, I can't do it without you, Father God, but with you, all things are possible. Verse 34. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord closed himself with Gideon, which it literally means he took possession of Gideon and the Holy Spirit began to work through Gideon. God still works through the Holy Spirit 
right now. I believe too many believers and too much of the church, we've acted like we can do life without the Holy Spirit. We can't. The prophet Zechariah said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. Something begins to happen when mankind says, I welcome your Holy Spirit. I welcome your anointing. I welcome a fresh anointing. This was so powerful that King David in Psalm 51, when he had blown it in life, he said, Father God, only against you have I sinned. Only against you have I committed iniquities. Only against you have I transgressed. And then he said to Father God, he said, would you shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life? And he ends in Psalm 51, 10, and he says this, don't take your spirit from me. Don't, don't take your spirit from me. You, you can have my shoes. You, you can have my, my, my purse. You can have my coat. Just don't take the spirit from me. And, and when he said that, it was like King David said, this was my most valuable possession, the Holy Spirit. But sometimes life comes at us. And in the sports world, there's a word we use called choke. And there's a universal sign for that. I mean, all I got to do is look at John and go. I mean, if you ever watched a basketball game and you look in the backboard and there's this knucklehead on TV and he's standing there going. So when the guy has the opportunity to sink the two, two winning free throws to win the game and he misses. The field goal kicker to win the Super Bowl, wide right. The World Series, ninth inning, the base is loaded and you strike out. The Masters golf, you miss a two-foot putt. And this phenomenon is called you choke. And I believe a lot of times the devil tries to do that with us. He looks at us and does that. And he says, your life has been marked. You're nothing but a choke. And so ultimately what happens? We tighten up. We get to a place where we, we cannot perform. We live in fear, we live in, in depression. Our, our faith has become uh, not capable anymore and the devil sits there and does this. But not Father God. Father God said, I'll put a fresh anointing on you. I'll put a fresh touch on you. My hand will be with you. That the things of heaven would erupt in you ask you to stand up there right where you're at. Don't limit God, okay? Don't limit God. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to jump back into 2 Corinthians 5. that the very first step for every one of us is to become in Christ. I gotta give my heart to Jesus. And I live the rest of my life in Christ, even though I'm born again. 
And some of you have felt like the Lord could never save me. But remember, he died for all. He died for all of us. And, and that's your first step. That's the only way that yet you can be looked at as a new creation reality. I, I got to give my heart to Jesus. And, and if you've never done that or you're in a state in your life where you've, you've run from the things of God, but you sense God, actually you're sensing the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's tugging on your heart. If that's you today, I, I welcome you to come to this altar right here. That you would come and receive Jesus as Lord of your life. That you would give your heart to him today. If that's you, I welcome you. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't let it keep you from coming. It, it was like a river in the first surface. It took one to break the dam and here they came, here they came. I, I, can be, I can be a pretty stubborn human being. Just ask my wife. You know what I mean by that? I'm not in a hurry to leave. I, I believe there's some of you that need to give your heart to Jesus today. Or you know, I'm, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation reality. That's me. I'm waiting, because here comes one right now. Thank you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Anybody else want to join him? Well, if no one else wants to join him, I'll take it. You're all born again, or you're okay with where your eternity will be. Okay? Come on, darling. Come on, here comes another one. goodness of God. I, I, I don't get stubborn on this area for my sake. This is how significant being born again is. Yeah, come on. Come on, our prayer team's going to come by this. Come on, buddy. Come on. Here comes another one. Come on. Come on down here where I can see your face. I can't, I can't see you. I like to see your faces. Anybody else? Not too late. Anybody else? Well, I'm going to have everybody in here close their eyes, bow your head. And you, you three that are down here, I want you to say this from your heart today, okay? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you as a sinner. I, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for breaking your commands sorry for disobeying you and I ask you to forgive me I ask you to wash me I ask you to cleanse me today and Lord Jesus I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life I believe you're the son of God I believe you died for me just like the word said and I receive you today as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys clap?
God's eyes, you're a new creation. And we're go- yeah, I clap to the Lord. Those are good things. Just bow your head here because we're, we're not done here. I, I believe God's wanting to do some things. That if you're here today, you say, man, I... I need, a, I need a fresh anointing on my life. I, I need a fresh touch of God on my life. Whether that's your walk with Jesus, whether that's a fresh touch to say, I, I, I need a fresh touch I'm being a mom or a dad. I need a fresh touch in my marriage. I, I just need a fresh touch from it. I need the anointing. And if you knew the anointing was down here and the Lord said, Come to the altar to receive my anointing. Would you come? And I believe that's the, the invitation. Come to the fresh of the altar for a fresh anointing. Come for this to say, Father God, I, I welcome Jehovah Shalom. I welcome you, Father God. And all we're doing is giving you an opportunity to connect with God. You may come individually, a family, a America, but I welcome you to come because I'm telling you, the anointing's here. Go ahead, sing, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.